If it is a matter of common experience that there is something uncanny about dreams, this is more than usually true for narratologists. From a narrative point of view, dreaming in itself is both familiar and alien. On the one hand, the virtuality of dream experience has long been invoked as the archetypal instance of immersion in a fiction. On the other hand, this same sense of dreaming as hallucinatory experience would seem to disqualify it from consideration as narrative at all. The ambiguous status of dreaming, as experience or as narrative, is the starting point for the argument of this chapter, which has two stages. The first is to make the case for viewing dreams as narrative. The second is to show that if you accept the narrative view of dreams, there are far-reaching consequences for narrative theory. Of course, the need to confront these consequences does not arise if you are unpersuaded by the first stage of the argument. And my fear is that the narrative view of dreams may encounter resistance on the grounds, precisely, that the consequences are unacceptable. But it is a tautological way of thinking that defines its theoretical objects as only those things that fit the theory. I have sought to overcome this resistance by considering the merit of a narrative view of dreams, in the first instance, without regard to consequences. Daniel Dennett has made a provocative case against the received view that dreams are experiences that occur during sleep, from the perspective of an international theory of mind. But his argument ultimately focuses upon the hazy boundaries of what counts as experience rather than any sense that dreams are narrative representations. Dennett distinguishes three components of dreaming implied by an experiential model, a process of composition, the presentation of the dream, and its recording. The first and third of these, he suggests, may sufficiently account for dreaming without the second, in which case the sense of dream experience is not in fact primary, but the retrospective product of a memory trace. That is to say, though he doesn't do so explicitly, the sense of dream experience is a product of narrative representation. Dennett's approach conflates an argument against the idea of dreams as experience with one against there being any such thing as experiencing a dream. The latter argument seems unwarranted and indeed disconfirmed by the more recent dream research, most obviously by research on lucid dreaming. Dennett accommodates lucid dreams as follows. Although the composition and recording processes are entirely unconscious, on occasion the composition process inserts traces of itself into the recording, via the literary conceit of a dream within a dream. On the face of it, this is a plausible move, but in fact it doesn't capture the specific quality of lucid dreams at all. It says, in effect, that you weren't really aware that you were dreaming. You just dreamed that you were. I shall return to lucid dreams, and some of the research results that conflict with Dennett's account later in this chapter. But for now, I want to suggest that a modified version of his argument remains useful for the purpose in hand. Rather than treating the memory trace of a dream globally as a narrative product only experienced retrospectively, we can conceive of it as a narrative process, the experience of which is ongoing and recursive for the dreamer, 
experiencing a dream, in that case, is experiencing a narrative process, a reciprocal process of creation and reception. The narrative view of dreams requires a representational discourse. Manfred Jahn, reviewing the status of dreams, in response to a question raised by Gerald Prince, comments that hallucinatory perception, like real perception, cannot be narrative. However, if Freud is right and dreams are the product of a fiction-creating dreamwork device, then they are based on a multimedia mode of composition, much like that of film.